Hey folks, welcome to The Gods We Belong To, Season 2, Episode 11. This is Dan, just a little light housekeeping up front here. Uh, from here on out, for the remainder of this season, we're going to be releasing episodes every other week. Just a little more time to savor the anticipation. Also, a bit of a content warning for this episode, there is another crime scene, and while there is no uh, sexual assault angle, things do get a little crimson in this one. It's uh, perhaps not for the faint of heart, but if you've been with us so far, I think you'll probably be fine. So, without further ado... Welcome to The Gods We Belong To, an urban fantasy noir podcast. The Gods We Belong To tells one continuous story in order, and it's important to start at the beginning. So, first timers, it's back to episode one for you. Now, my faithful friends, take a beat, take a breath. Let's check in with Alex. Chapter 11 When Erissa arrives, I'm already two cups into a pot of strong, dark coffee, and about halfway through a joint. I open the door, and she walks past me without a word, pours herself a cup, then swipes the joint right out of my mouth, taking a long drag before handing it back to me. Jesus, Erissa, are you okay? Yeah, she replies, not sounding so sure. Yeah, I I just... With what we're about to walk into, I... I could use a little medicating. One of the officers on scene owes me a favor, so she sent me a photo. Show me. Arissa fumbles with her phone and I inhale the tail end of the joint, bracing myself. She holds the phone up, screen facing me, and for a few seconds I literally can't tell what I'm seeing. Looks like a sprawling tangle of wet rope. Then I see the face. Bloodied. Eyeless. Screaming. It's a man, or what's left of one. The abdomen has exploded outwards and the entire body has been wrapped, bound, nearly mummified in its own intestines. I turn away, feeling waves of nausea rise up in my stomach and it's not just the horror of the image. Odin once told me about something uncomfortably similar. Except in that particular case, the victim of the binding was none other than Loki, and the entrails belonged to his own son. Fucking Loki. This pretty much clinches it. Mars, we need to talk. Remember that family horror story I promised you? It's time. Seriously? She asks. What about this picture says family share time to you? You don't know my family. True. And normally I'd say that's all the better for you, but it turns out that part of my crazy, bloody, 
fucked up family may be our killer. You remember the whole unmade thing? Arissa's eyebrows shoot up. I continue. Okay, so you know Odin is my grandfather, right? Well, it turns out my familial entanglement is a bit more extensive and a whole lot messier. Explain. And I do my best to lay it all out. Grandpa Loki and the whole twisted, traumatic web of lies and seduction that culminated in the murder of Michael and the almost end of the world. When I'm done, she just stares at me for a long minute. The look of shock and disbelief on her face gradually gives way to sadness. She puts her coffee down on the table, walks over and wordlessly, gently, wraps her arms around me. I'm so sorry. Erissa, it's okay, really, I'm fine. I try to reassure her, suddenly realizing just how hollow those words sound. The truth is I've never really dealt with what Loki did to me. I mean, there was a lot going on, like trying to avert the apocalypse, and then I just ran away. Away from Odin, away from LA, away from all of it. Even since I'd been back on Odin's payroll, I've had my head so deep in the work and so haloed in smoke that I haven't really let myself look back, because I know what's waiting in the rear view, and it is more than I want to grapple with. But Arissa's embrace cracks me open like a nutshell, and before I know it, I'm quietly, helplessly sobbing on her shoulder. So. Now you know what we're up against, I say once the tears have run out. He sounds terrifying. But it also sounds like the last time you saw Loki, he was in no condition to do much of anything. What makes you so sure it's him? This fresh victim, the way he's bound, it's happened before, to Loki. The intestines belong to his son. His son? Arissa recoils like she's been struck. And who? Odin, I answer. She just stares. I told you. Family horror stories. You were not kidding. Not even a little. And as far as his condition is concerned, He's a god, Arissa. Who knows how he heals or regenerates or whatever the fuck these creepy bastards do. They're powerful beings who live forever, kinda. And let's say his mind is still broken, then we're dealing with an extra unhinged Loki. And who knows what that kind of crazy might do. Tie someone up with their own guts for starters, she replies. Yeah, exactly. And we still have no idea if this is all part of some grand plan or just pure recreational atrocity. So, we need to get into the head of a god who's currently out of his mind. Arissa looks down at the picture still displayed on her phone. 
Where better to start than with his latest handiwork? We move swift and silent through the early morning streets. Erisa drives. Neither of us speaks. I stare out the window at nothing, trying to steel myself for the horrific scene that awaits us, as if there's any way to be ready for something like that. After about fifteen minutes, the silence becomes too much. So, where the hell are we going, anyway? I ask. You never said. Pasadena, near Caltech. For a broken creature, Loki sure seems to get around. I expect he can void hop, like Odin. Hell, given his compromised state, I wouldn't be surprised if that particular ability was just firing off almost at random. Or, Arissa says, clearly having a light bulb moment, that's how he finds them. What do you mean? Well, we know his victims are all part god, right? So maybe his little trips aren't so random. Maybe he's drawn to their energy and just, bamf, hops to the location of his next victim. Mars, you're a fucking genius, I exclaim. Yes, I am. And the eyes, he must be getting something. Power, protection, pleasure. Something he craves, something that calls to him. Do you mean, Erissa shudders, that he's eating them? Looks like, I reply. <laughs> no pun intended. We both slip back into silence. Before long, we're traversing quiet, tree-lined suburban streets with large houses and lush green lawns. The first hints of light are just beginning to dissolve the darkness as we pull up in front of one such house, a sprawling Spanish style which normally wouldn't stand out from its similarly luxurious neighbors. But this morning, it's highlighted by flashing lights from the throng of cop cars out front. Arissa parks and we both take a few deep breaths before getting out of the car. Every cell in my body screams for me to run, get as far away from this scene as fast as I fucking can, but that's not how this works. I... we have a job to do. If Loki is back and on some lunatic warpath, then this is just the beginning. He'll never stop. And I have a sickening sense that whatever comes next will make even this latest scene look like foreplay. As we approach the police tape around the house, a uniformed officer stops us. Arissa flashes her badge and we're waved through. The place is big, feels like wealth. Truth be told, the vibe reminds me of my adoptive parents' place. Theirs never felt much like mine. The association does nothing to improve my mood. One step through the front door and we're immediately assaulted by an array of horrors. Surprisingly, the first thing that hits me is the smell, the pungent coppery scent of blood mixed with a putrid reek I can only assume comes from the victim's violently disassembled digestive system. And then, of course, there's the fucking sight of it. I thought the photo was rough, but honestly, it completely, profoundly failed to do justice to the sheer depravity on display here. I've seen an awful lot since my time with Odin began, 
wonders and terrors you couldn't imagine. But I've never seen anything like this. The body is laid out on a circular table in the middle of the entryway, or foyer, or whatever the hell you call the superfluous room at the front of a mansion whose only purpose is to remind you that the owner can afford useless space. He's spread-eagle, limbs pointing in four directions like a grotesque X made of meat. The floor is positively Jackson pollocked with blood, so much that I'd be surprised if there was much to speak of left inside our victim. Looks like it all happened here, I observe, trying to push past the stomach-churning awfulness and just work the scene. Yeah, Arissa agrees, clearly trying to do the same. There's no blood trail, I doubt the body was moved. She turns and flags down a passing uniformed officer. Hey, any signs of struggle in the rest of the house? She asks. Nothing, the officer shoots back. The whole show went down between the front door and that table. Arissa shudders. I do too. So, she looks at me. We figure he just hopped out of the void, rang the doorbell, then... Went to town? Fits the working theory, I nod, eyes and all. It does. So what changed this time? How do you mean? Well, think about it, she explains. The first two scenes are just like spontaneous explosions of rage and violence. Apart from the eyes, there's nothing organized or planned about them, but this, this is something else altogether. It's intentional, and from what you told me, clearly personal. This sick fuck is making a statement. Am I? The question rings out in an all-too-familiar voice. But Arissa does nothing, registers no response. She just keeps studying the scene. Huh. Perhaps I am, the voice continues. Who can say? Inspiration is such a mysterious thing. One simply never knows when the muse might appear and its poor form to refuse her. That slick, slippery voice. The way it echoes in my head. Just like the last time Loki invaded my thoughts. Any doubts I might have been harboring about the author of these horrors melt away in a flood of terrible certainty. Speaking of unexpected guests, the voice continues, you feel familiar. I've slipped into this cozy little brain before, haven't I? Oh, I can tell by that flush of anger that I have. What fun we must have had. But that's the past, isn't it? The long ago, dark and distant. And this is the here and now burning bright and beautiful. Why dwell on lost time when there are so many new memories to make? Son of a bitch. He doesn't remember. Loki, master of mischief and secret cunning, always the cleverest god in the room. Loki doesn't know me. Seems like he doesn't even know himself. I move quickly to Arissa's side, grab her arm, and half-whisper urgently, Mars! Outside! Now! Alex, what the fuck are you... 
Before she can finish her thought, I'm out the door, hoping to hell she's behind me. She is. As soon as we reach the front lawn, she puts a forceful hand on my shoulder and spins me around to face her. Wait, Alex, wait! She stares at me, confused and irritated. It's him! Him? Him who? She demands. Loki! Now that name sounds familiar, the voice in my head comments. Is that me? I do like the sound of it. Loki just feels right, you know? Right, Loki, Mars replies to me, deaf to the running commentary. I thought we were already pretty sure he was our guy. No, well, yes, but that's not what I mean. He's, he's here, Mars. Loki is here. Where? She looks around, both nervous and unsure what to make of my rambling. I don't know exactly, but I can hear him. I point a finger at my temple. In here. Arissa cocks her head and eyes me curiously. He can do that? Apparently I can. Loki's syrupy voice rings in my skull. Oh, this is fun. Yeah, I confirm. He can do that. Great, she growls. Any other tricks of his I should know about? Good question. Alex, is it? Loki inquires. What else have I got up my sleeve? I wince at his vicious delight. Expect anything, I tell her. Thanks, Orissa replies. That's both terrifying and super vague. Not exactly helpful. Which is exactly what I'm going for. The last thing we need to do is give that sick son of a bitch a list of ways he can fuck with us, and if I were more awake or less stoned, I'd already be making that point and urging Arissa not to say anything remotely like exactly what she says next. I mean, if Loki can sneak into your mind, imagine what he could do to a normal human. Yes, Alex! The amnesiac trickster coos. Just imagine. And by the way, I like this friend of yours. She's fun. Fuck. I tense up, like waiting to get hit. Arissa notices and her expression shifts from irritated to concerned. Alex, what's... But before she can even get the question out, we hear it. Grunting, growling, snorting, snarling... It's a group of three officers closing in on us. Their movements are awkward, lumbering, jerky. Lurching closer, their faces come into clear view, twisted, distorted, eyes wide, mouths opening and closing in a grisly click and clatter of chomping teeth. This, I motion to our encircling attackers, turning so Arissa and I are back to back. This is exactly what I was trying to avoid. Vague may not seem helpful, but at least it doesn't give malicious gods any ideas. Point taken. So now what? Now, I reply, we fight for our lives. Oh, yes! Loki's voice hums with excitement. I too love a good fight, especially to the death. Can it be to the death? 
All three of Loki's grotesque human marionettes pick up speed and charge, pushing us to the side of the house where we're isolated, out of view. I crouch into my finest fighting stance, which is mediocre at best, and take a deep breath. Look, I've seen my share of dust-ups and generally come out on top, but it's not like I really know what I'm doing. Taking down some garden-variety jackass, usually with the element of surprise, is a far cry from wrangling a trio of rabid god puppets. Never mind that these particular puppets happen to be cops, so there's also that to consider. Before I have time to ponder the finer points of our situation, they're on us. The first one to reach me, the same officer Orissa had spoken to in the house, throws a wild punch at my head. Easy enough to get out of the way. It's a good thing Loki hasn't mastered fine motor control with his new toys. Out of the corner of my eye, I see Orissa gracefully dodge a charging officer and deliver a powerful kick that sends him sprawling. I'm bracing for another swing when the third cop, an athletically built woman with a ponytail, collides with me at full speed. Ironically, she forces me out of the path of her fellow puppet's incoming blow, but she also knocks the wind out of me and sends us both rolling. I end up flat on my back, gasping for air that won't come. Both of them are moving towards me. The woman hurls herself at me, fists flailing. She's so close I can feel her swinging limbs move the air when Arissa hits her like a battering ram. The ferocious howl Arissa lets out would make a frost giant's blood run colder. Detective Mars catches my nearest attacker in midair and takes her down hard, tumbling end over end, then slams her with bone-rattling force into the ground. Where did you find her? Loki exclaims. Such savagery, such grace, such crimson craving so close to the surface. Still struggling to catch my breath, I'm slack-jawed at the epic beatdown Arissa is delivering. She's practically glowing, scratch that. To my senses, she is very actually fucking glowing, radiating pure, unalloyed fury as she batters mercilessly at the prone officer's face. My heart races, hammering out equal parts fight-or-flight adrenaline and paralyzing horror. I should stop her. I should get the fuck out of here. I should do something, anything other than my current course of paralytic gawking. Good thing for me, our other two attackers seem equally focused on the raging Arissa Mars. It's like I've suddenly ceased to exist, or at least been severely downgraded on their list of priorities. Mars! I shout as they close in on her. It's part warning, part desperate plea to her better angels, hoping beyond hope that I can reach her. Turns out she didn't need the warning. The pair are almost on her when she suddenly pivots, ducks their incoming blows, then reaches up, grabbing both assailants by the hair, and brings their heads together with a loud crack. A fine mist of blood spatters Orissa's face as they crumple like hastily abandoned marionettes. But she's clearly not done yet. She turns towards their motionless bodies, her eyes distant and wild, and I get the distinct feeling that if I don't step in, Detective Arissa Mars is going to do something she'll regret. Probably several somethings. Yes! Loki almost chants in my head. Yes! Yes! Mars! I shout, grabbing her by the shoulder. No! Loki protests. 
Arissa wheels around, roaring, and swings a fist that connects hard with my jaw and sends me spinning. Stunned, I stumble, then topple to the ground. Oh, I take it back, Loki enthuses. More of this! If I knew where the slimy little fucker actually was, I might be able to keep him in check. He's still not at his best, but I've got more immediate concerns, namely shaking my partner out of her daughter of Ares' murder trance so she doesn't dismember me. Erissa, I shout as she stalks towards me, closing the distance between us with slow and certain intent. You're not your father, Erissa, I continue, less shouting, more pleading. What was it her mother said to her? You can be better. You have to be better than him. She stops in her tracks and looks at me. Really looks at me. Then turns to take in the three battered forms in her wake. Oh God, Alex. What did I do? Saved my life, for starters, I say, rubbing my aching jaw. Are... are they... the live, I say. Truth is, I'm not really 100% sure on that front, but I'm doing my best to sound reassuring. Not to mention grateful, which I very much am. I wish I could say this was the first time my life had been saved by an explosion of preternatural violence. I might need new friends. Maybe a doctor, for one. That would come in handy. I checked the battered officers. They look bad, no way around it, but their injuries don't seem life-threatening. Then again, I'm no expert. Come on, Arissa, I say, with my best mix of comfort and urgency. We need to go. Now. Leaving so soon. Loki's vile voice slithers through my brain as we hightail it to the car. Well, thanks for dropping by. Don't be a stranger, Alex. This has been the Gods We Belong To, Book 2, Chapter 11. The Gods We Belong To is written, performed, edited, and produced by Dan Goldstein. Theme music is I'll Drive by Daniel Birch. Additional music, Weightlessness, Frostbite, Say It Again, I'm Listening, Dreams never die. Then it disappeared. Destroy your mind. You're not forgiven. And run, it might be somebody. By Daniel Birch. And the true entity of life. By Daniel Birch and Ben Pegley. Our spectacular episode art is by the talented and beautiful Jen Goldstein. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe and help spread the word. Tell a friend, tell an enemy, host, tweet, vote. Five-star ratings are particularly helpful and appreciated. However you do it, thank you. 
We're on Twitter and Instagram at Gods We Belong To. Episodes and more at thegodswebelongto.net. For the remainder of Season 2, we'll be releasing episodes every other week. So Chapter 12 will be here in just two weeks. And remember, until then, don't do anything Alex wouldn't.